Welcome to the Inside OSU podcast. I'm Robin Hearn. It's a world record that you probably never heard about. Aerospace engineers at Oklahoma State are attempting to break the record for flying the highest a kite has ever flown. One of their goals is to create energy from wind. With me today are two members of the aerospace research team, Dr. Jamie Jacob, the director of our Unmanned Systems Research Institute, and Kathleen McNamara, an aerospace research engineer. We're going to learn more about their attempt to fly a kite thousands of feet in the air on this week's Inside OSU podcast. These kites are made at OSU. Uh, we build them with extremely lightweight but really strong fabrics. Uh, we use lots of different uh, methods. Some, of the, some parts of the kite we sew. So we actually have sewing machines in our engineering lab. Uh, some, of the, some parts of the kites uh, we're gluing with adhesives. And so, some of the parts are heat sealed as Some well. parts are heat sealed. Essentially melting mm-hmm. the materials together. And the, the really important piece of this is we have to keep it very, very lightweight because, uh, again, these are large kites that we're working on and, you know, essentially the size of a school bus uh, when you think about it in terms of the wingspan. Uh, but they also have to be really strong because they're dealing with very high winds when they get up to high altitudes and extremely cold temperatures. You could be getting down to minus 50 degrees Fahrenheit at the altitudes that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I think the coolest part about how our kite is made is the fact that it actually has inflatable structures. So rather than um, typical kites that you make with carbon fiber rods, the front edge of our kite is actually this giant inflatable tube. And that was really the genesis of us working on this project is we were approached by Toyota who wanted to investigate the technology of using inflatable components on high altitude kites. And we'll we can talk about their long-term mission uh, later and how that intersects with our scientific and research goals here. But one of our specialties that we have at OSU is this inflatable structures technology. When we think about inflatables, you can think about it in terms of, you know, something like a, a beach ball or, or an inflatable tube, but used for space-based applications. NASA really likes to use inflatable components Uh, because they're packable you can put them in a really small space so that way it saves volume on a rocket when you're launching that to uh, low earth orbit or going to the moon or mars for example and then you can inflate it uh, when you get to your destination and so our one of our research applications that we've been working on for two decades now is development of inflatable wings for flight of interplanetary aircraft flying aircraft on mars for example or taking that to someplace like titan but then also using those for uh, manned uh, habitats. Uh, so whether you're on the moon or Mars, you know, as you can think of as kind of an inflatable pop-up tent for the most extreme environments for people to live on uh, within the solar system. And so that gives us a really unique set of engineering skills that most other places do not have. And so that's why we were approached to work on this project. When you're talking about the engineers that are working on this kite is it like students faculty who is in this whole project everyone we have everybody in our team um, comes from all different layers of the university so obviously you know dr jacobs the director of our project Uh, we have a few staff members that are research engineers who are leading the project we have graduate students that we're working with Um, And also we have undergraduate students who have helped us a ton uh, during this time 
on our project. Let's talk about the actual kite. We talked about how it's made with the material and everything. How big is this kite actually? So our eighth generation kite is 21 feet long and about five and a half to six feet tall. So if this kite is standing on its edge and you put a person next to it, you really see how gigantic this kite is. That's almost as tall as me. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. What prompted this? I know you said you guys are working with Toyota, but what actually prompted this project to get started? Well, Toyota approached us, uh, again, primarily for the inflatable technology, but they're looking at developing high-altitude kites, which they call the Mothership Program in Japan, uh, to extract energy uh, from the jet stream. So Japan has the strongest jet stream in the world due to the winds flowing off of the Tibetan Plateau flown directly over Japan, and they would like to extract this. And you think, well, that's kind of funny. Why would you want to do this? Well, you look at all the wind turbines that we have uh, across the state of Oklahoma, you know, really good at essentially you know, providing you with free energy. So, you know, it's a renewable resource. Wind turbines are located in the worst part of the atmosphere to get that wind energy. You have much higher energy winds, meaning higher velocity, uh, at higher altitudes. And so there are a number of different companies across the world that are in essentially investigating aerial wind turbine applications or airborne wind energy. So is there, is there a way that you can take a essentially a wind turbine and put it in the air and then provide that energy back down towards the ground? And so this is a long-term project uh, for um, not only Toyota, but other folks across the country. Uh, NASA, for example, has been working on this for a number of years uh, to, to try to figure out a way to make wind energy more efficient. So we're talking about giant kites, 300 feet or more in wingspan, in the jet stream over Japan, tethered to the ground, supplying energy to the entire country of Japan and also other parts of the world in the future. What is the world record right now? The world record is 16,009 feet currently, and we would like to beat that. So far, our OSU internal record is just over 9,000 feet. And so that was the world record is currently uh, held in Australia. I think it was the western part of Australia where they end up having you know, large plains and fairly high winds. Uh, the initial record for this, for having a high altitude kite, uh, was actually set all the way back in the 1890s in Massachusetts by some meteorologists. So they've used, been using kites uh, for over 100 years for weather observations, providing you, know, providing you a capability to get measurements of temperatures, winds aloft, so that way it gives you a better idea of uh, forecasting. So kind of our, our first goal is to break that U.S. record is at 12,000 uh, what is it, 12,471 feet. So we're very close to, to breaking that, which was set, you know, over 100 years ago. And that was for a single line kite. Yeah, it was for a single line kite. Um, and then the, um, uh, the North American record is somewhere in the range of 14,000 feet, uh, which was set in Canada. When I'm envisioning a kite, I think of the one that I used to fly when I was a kid where it's on the string and I try to jump and try to get it in the air. How are you guys getting this in the air? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so since these kites are so large, uh, you know, you can't just throw them up uh, in the air. First, you have to have a multi-person team. We typically have uh, a group of four people that are responsible for launching the kite. And then we have a group that's running the winch and tether system 
that controls the kite from the ground. And so what you can do is you can, you have a, a long reel, so you have your tether attached to the kite. And you, you know, if you think about this, uh, we want to be able to get the kite at 16,000 feet. So that means we have to have at least 16,000 feet of line, but the kite doesn't go straight up, it's at an angle. So we typically have anywhere from 25,000 to 30,000 feet of line. So you're talking about a continuous tether of around five to six miles long. Uh, but they also gives you the capability to reel the kite out and you can essentially use your tether in your winch system uh, to launch it in the air until the wind starts to provide additional lift capability uh, to take that kite up to altitude. I think that's pretty well said. Uh, we have a ground team and sometimes we're standing out there for a couple of minutes waiting for a breeze to come up and as soon as we feel that small gust we let the kite go. Taro would be on the winch side along with a couple of other crew members and they would create tension in the line or we try to shoot the kite up and as the kite goes up we can catch more wind and we keep going from there. And so that one very large piece of this is not just the kite itself but it's the control system that we have on the ground. Uh, you know we're talking about something that's essentially the size of a small car that has the the winch uh, and the spool with a line on it as well as a monitoring and control system so that we can automatically reel it out and reel it in while at the same time measures the tension in the line so we can use that not only to estimate the attitude of the kite, measure the winds aloft, but provide a control capability. So there's a computer control system that's hooked up to this that provides you that capability to, to do the control, um, that provides you that additional uh, requirement or uh, adjustment of increasing the altitude of the kite by reeling it in and reeling it out, essentially through a zigzag pattern as it goes all the way up. Now, how long does it stay in the air? I think you can keep the kite in the air pretty much as long as you want, as long as there's no safety issues. Um, we can only fly during the daytime, so that limits us to how long we can keep our kite in the air. We have to make sure that we can get our kite back down to the ground before the sun goes down. So we've actually been racing the sun a couple of times, uh, trying to reel in our kite from several thousand feet. Now, due to the altitudes that we're talking about with these kites, we have to get approval from the FAA and coordinate flights with local air traffic control. So that way we're warning manned aircraft within the area that we're flying a tethered kite at much higher altitudes than they would normally expect. So currently we're limited to only doing this within uh, daylight hours and in conditions where we can actually see it. So if there's a low cloud cover, for example, we won't be able to fly that day. So what is the perfect day? I know you want to do it during the daytime, but is there like that perfect moment where that kite should get most of its height? For me, a perfect day is a long day, a day that's not too hot, so we're not out there suffering, but a day that we have plenty of sun and plenty of wind. But not too much either. So, you know, we do have limitations on the kite. If there's too much wind, it's going to overload the, uh, the tension with the line. So typically, you know, if we have something around 10 to 15 miles, fairly constant wind, um, but also um, nice and sunny, very little cloud, so that way we can maintain visual line of sight with the kite uh, throughout the entire flight. So what are some of the challenges you guys have faced, like positive or negative so far? I think... Uh, one of the main challenges is just getting all of our systems together. We have several systems that w we worked on uh, for this kite, you know, all the way from 
the materials and manufacturing side to making sure our payload systems are ready so that we can get the atmospheric data that we need and also the tension in the line, making sure the winch is working properly. There's a lot of pieces that have to come together to make a kite flight possible, a successful kite flight possible. And one thing that Kathleen mentioned earlier, you know, we current uh, the current system that we're working on now is the eighth generation kite. So that means it's the eighth design iteration that we've gone through. Um, since we're trying to push the envelope and you know, create very lightweight yet highly reliable uh, kites that can handle high wind conditions, they have to be very strong using these inflatable technologies and we've developed a, a lot of novel design ideas, uh, some which have worked really well, some of which have not worked. And so that's required us to start from a relatively small kite until we've worked up to, to the, the largest system that we're working on right now. So the eighth generation will probably not be the last one that we develop. So we're working on other designs now as we continue to scale this up from you know the very large kites that we have to even larger ones. So is this like an everyday thing? Are y'all meeting almost every day to talk about what you can improve on the kite and how you can improve for your next flight? Mm -hmm. So for the last two years, this has been an everyday thing. Right now, uh, we have a new senior design team who came in this semester, and now they're starting a weather data system to put on the kite tether and profile the atmosphere for weather data for Oklahoma. So it's constantly evolving. Uh, we have new challenges that come up all of the time. Every day is a new day, and we just keep working on improving the technology for our kite systems and see what else we can do with those kite systems to work towards improvement of the future technology. In addition to you know looking at this from airborne wind energy applications, uh, one of the things that segues really well into one of our other current focuses is developing uh, unmanned systems technology for weather monitoring, uh, primarily to get better observations within the atmospheric boundary layer, the lowest layer of the atmosphere where most of our weather forms and happens, which is obviously very important for Oklahoma, but use the kites to be able to profile the atmosphere so that way we're getting continuous weather information rather than what we do right now is when we launch a weather balloon and we're getting a very limited amount of data within that boundary layer. So a kite can essentially sit uh, at a certain point in the atmosphere. You can control where it's at, bring it down to a lower altitude, raise it to a higher altitude, and then provide that information directly to the meteorological forecasters so they can use that in their daily prediction about what's going to be happening with the weather. So we're going to be testing some systems this spring and taking that observational data that we get and providing it directly to the National Weather Service to see how they can use that within their forecast. Using this for weather will also help in the future. That's correct, yeah. And so, you know, once we hit the world record, it doesn't stop the program for us. Um, it's really just provides us a benchmark of the capabilities that we can use the system for. But certainly there's long-term research goals that go back to, you know, both meteorological observations and environmental monitoring that we'll be focused on. What are some of the next steps you guys are focusing on? I know with the weather tracking, um, is there anything else that you guys have hound on? We need to fix this. We need to make sure we improve on this. So currently our inflatable kites have bladder systems and the, in, the internal structure, the internal airtight chamber that keeps the air 
is, is heavy compared to the weight of the kite. So we would like to work on the technology of improving the materials of our kites so that we no longer have to have that internal air chamber. So we still have an inflatable kite, but rather than uh, two layers, there's only one layer to the inflatable tube. So therefore our kite will be even lighter, we can build it bigger, and we can add more payload systems to it. Well, I think the other piece we can add is uh, control systems that will have a loft. So the ability to essentially morph the kite when it's in the air, so that allows you an additional uh, control mechanism, so that way you can raise or lower the altitude of the kite. And that'll be using uh, very lightweight, smart material systems in order to be able to change the shape of the kite in flight. And one of the challenges that we continually face with this is the kites that we're talking about are less than five pounds, which allows us to operate within certain FAA limitations, and it gives us much a uh, larger freedom about where we can fly with the kite. Uh, and so you're talking about something that only weighs five pounds, but is over 20 feet in length and, and taller than, than the average person, uh, but also has to be able to stand over 100 pounds worth of load that it's carrying on it when it's in the atmosphere flying. So it has to be very, very light, uh, but also at the same time very strong and very rigid to maintain its shape. Um, what have you learned since you've been doing this for the past two years, Kathleen, about yourself and about the science that you've learned so far? I think what I've learned most about myself is that I'm capable of expanding my knowledge base. I came in as a mechanical engineering person. I, I don't have very much background in aerospace engineering. I've learned a lot about uh, kite aerodynamics and kite design, uh, but I've also been able to bring my background of mechanical engineering and material science into this project as well. I've learned that teamwork is essential and that we have to have multiple team members who are each good at something different. I think that's extremely important. If we were all good at the same thing, we wouldn't have been very successful with this project. But because we have a, a tight group who are all trained in different areas and we work together very well, I think that's what made this project most successful. So is there anything you want our audience to know about the program itself? Well, yeah, we're doing this under the auspices of the Unmanned Systems Research Institute, uh, which was recently named as one of OSU's four tier one programs you know, to develop drone technology uh, for the public good. And you know, one of the aspects of this particular program, uh, which applies to this, is to be able to improve uh, our weather forecasting. Uh, not only for severe weather, but for day-to-day -day weather. You know, whether we're going to have rain or cold temperatures, which is really important for agricultural applications uh, across the state. And you know, when we talk about the Unmanned Systems Research Institute, we tend to think about drones, and that's what we work on. Uh, but you know, a kite is just another type of unmanned system. You know, it's very different from you know the average day-to-day -day, uh, type of drone work that we do. But uh, our research skills and uh, engineering acumen that we bring to the problem is equally applicable. When is your next flight? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we've only attempted the world record uh, flight once so far uh, in December. And, we, you know, we thought we could have uh, reached it if it weren't for the fact that the winds aloft uh, died down, you know, right mm -hmm. around uh, 10,000 feet. And so we didn't have the necessary upper-level winds to be able to reach uh, to the highest altitude, uh, probably sometime in February. But, you know, we're uh, unfortunately a little dependent upon the, uh, the weather. Mm -hmm. 
even though we only had that one week we were trying for the world record, we've had so many flight tests that came before that, too many to count. Out at the OSU Unmanned Aircraft Flight Station, we flew down at Choctaw Nation Daisy Ranch, FAA IPP site. We went up to Osage Nation Ranch, which is also known as the Tall Grass Prairie. So we've done so many flight tests. Overall. Yeah, yeah. We should mention, you know, that uh, you know, we can't just go out this, go out and fly it on any particular day, uh, since it is flying at the same altitude, uh, higher than you know, most general aviation manned aircraft. Uh, fly at we do have to get you know a window from the FAA for a you know given particular time that uh, allows us to fly for what area that we're flying in and so you know, we've selected a couple of these sites uh, you know the, our tribal partners uh, through the Choctaw Nation and the Osage Nation uh, have been very helpful you know providing us access to certain land that we can fly in uh, that has very little air traffic and very little surrounding uh, infrastructure as well because uh, if our kite you know were to uh, go down we want to make sure that we're maintaining uh, the safety of the surrounding regions that we won't, don't want to damage anything uh, around us and so this you know statewide partnership between the public university um, you know the federal aviation administration and our tribal partners uh, you know has been key to making this project successful one last question i think our audience will enjoy this one is it orange is the kite orange well, we want it to be orange. That was one of our number one priorities that we actually talked about when we were building the kites. But we're limited with our fabrics. And we're, we're trying to convince the company who makes our fabric to make more uh, an actual version, an orange version of the Dyneema fabric that we use. Yeah, unfortunately, it is actually the worst possible color for a kite, which is light blue. Uh, which makes it really, really difficult to see. But again, we're limited. Uh, you know, the fabric that we have to use is a very special uh, manufactured fabric, and that's currently the color that it comes in. We're, you know, we're hopeful that we'll be able to make this one orange for the, the final high-altitude record flight. Yes. So not only will we have the, the brightest color of orange, but also the highest color of orange. We want to thank Dr. Jamie Jacob and Kathleen McNamara for sitting down with us. We can't wait to see their research take flight. That's all from this edition of Inside OSU. I'm Robin Hearn. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Thanks.